Good morning and thank you again for joining us. Find your Bible, open it up, grab a notebook and a pen, and let's open the Word of God together as we study the book of James. Find James chapter 2, and we'll study the second half of James chapter 2 today. We've been learning what it looks like when faith works. And today, James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, I want to talk to you about real faith in the real world. James gives us a theme. This is really an important theme throughout his entire book, but we see him focus on it a lot more significantly in this section of chapter 2. James wants us to understand that faith without works is dead. He says that roughly three times in this passage in various ways. Faith without works is dead. The emphasis is this, that genuine faith leads to good works, that salvation leads to action. Today, we're talking about real faith in the real world from James chapter 2. Begin reading with me in verse 14. We'll read to the end of the chapter. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also... Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. You see that faith was acting along with his works and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now remember this morning, the power is in the perfect word of God. There's a principle that James wants us to understand. What we do reveals who we are. In other words, the root of our faith will always be shown in the fruit of our works. Let me see if I can give you an example. My favorite colors are red and black. And you may know already why my favorite colors are red and black. It's because I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan. And I know many of you probably don't care a whole lot about football, but, but I do. And so it's caused my favorite colors to be red and black. But there's something else. Most of our... Most of our opponents, our rivals, have some type of orange in their logo or on their uniforms. And so, because I'm a Georgia Bulldogs fan, not only do I like to wear red and black, but I don't really own a whole lot of orange. And if I own it, I don't wear it a whole lot. It's just kind of who I am revealing what I do and the way I live. Here's another example. So, if you looked inside my pickup truck, you would see that I have camouflage seat covers. And you would think... He has camouflage seat covers, and so probably that means he likes to hunt. You'd be right. I I like to hunt. I don't get to do it a whole lot, maybe five or six times a year. I enjoy it, but the real reason I have camouflage seat covers is because I have five kids, all of whom can ride with me at one time, six of us in a car. 
And whatever they eat and whatever they drink and whatever they spill on my seats in my truck, it just blends right into the camouflage. You can't even see it. You see, sometimes we can make assumptions about people based on their actions. Sometimes we may be right. Sometimes we may be wrong. But James teaches us that one assumption that you can make about someone who's genuinely saved is that they will produce good works in their lives. The Bible tells us in Hebrews eleven six, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, if that's true, if I cannot please God apart from faith, then I want to know what real faith is, and I want to have the kind of faith that pleases the Lord. I want to honor Him. Now, before we dive into James chapter 2, there's a very important distinction that I want to make so that we can really understand the relationship between faith and works. Some people say that the Apostle Paul and James are at odds with one another. Paul says in places we're justified by faith alone. James says we're justified by works. Are these two in opposition? Well, they're not in opposition. They work hand in hand. They really are two sides to the same coin. So to understand where Paul's coming from and where James is coming from, you need to understand their context. Paul writes predominantly to Gentiles who, who were raised to perform some type of service or some act or give a gift in order to appease a false god or a deity that they worshipped. And Paul wants them to understand there's nothing that you can give to God so that you might earn grace. You're saved by grace through faith alone. James is writing to Jewish believers who know the law and they know the Bible. And James wants them to understand that some religious understanding is not enough. You have to have works associated with that faith. Paul writes predominantly to people prior to conversion, prior to their salvation, and he wants them to understand it is only faith that leads to salvation, faith in Christ. James writes to believers after conversion, wanting them to understand that genuine conversion always leads to works. And so they're they're really two sides to the same coin. They go together. They don't stand in opposition to one another. And James asks an important question. He asks and answers this question, and it's important for us to ask and answer today as well. If if I say that I have faith, does genuine faith equal praying a prayer, signing a card, saying I believe certain things, and then living however I want? Is that real, genuine faith? Praying a prayer, signing a card, saying I believe a set of things, a set of things and, then, and then living however I want. Or is genuine faith more than that? And James teaches us what it looks like to have real faith in the real world. First, as we study James 2, I, I want to dive in and I want us to understand that, that real faith is more than what you say. Real faith is more than what you say. We see this in verses 14 through 17. Now, James gives us an example. He tells a story here in verse 14 through 17. He says, what, what good is it if someone says he has faith, but his faith never leads to action? He says, can that faith save him? Is that real, genuine faith? It's not answered explicitly in the text, but it's implied. The answer is no, that is not real faith. In fact, James says in verse 17, 
So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. That's the theme of this section. He says it three times. Faith without works is dead. Faith without works is useless. Faith apart from works is dead. And so James is telling us then that genuine faith will lead to action. He tells the story of someone who says, I say that I have faith, but my faith doesn't lead to action. And, and, and here he gives an example. Verse 15 and verse 16. If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? James says this is an example of, of dead faith. He's been talking about pure and undefiled religion that leads to a genuine concern and care for others. And now he tells us that this, this genuine faith will lead us to act on the behalf of others. It was John Calvin who said, It is faith alone that justifies, but the faith that justifies is never alone. Meaning that genuine faith that justifies us before God is always accompanied by good works. I'm afraid that somewhere in Christianity, in America, we've, we've taken a wrong turn. We begin to teach that just praying a prayer and signing a card or maybe getting baptized was enough for genuine salvation. Now, now don't get me wrong. I, I believe in a sinner's prayer. I believe that a simple, heartfelt prayer can transform and change your life. But that prayer is only as sincere as the heart from which it is prayed. And I'm concerned that many people sit in church every single Sunday clinging to something they've done in the past that has no ramifications for them in the present, that their life has never been changed. They just look back to a time they prayed a prayer. Let me see if I can explain it like this. When I served as a pastor in another town, I attended a funeral where another pastor was presiding. And that pastor was doing his dead-level best to preach the deceased into heaven. He said something like this. Well, I know he's a little rough around the edges. I know he had a foul mouth and he probably didn't live right. And I know you didn't see a lot of evidence in his life, but I'm going to tell you something. He's in heaven today. I'm telling you, he's in heaven today. He said, you know how I know he's in heaven? He prayed that prayer. He prayed that prayer and he's in heaven. His mama almost had to put him in a headlock to get him to pray that prayer. But he prayed that prayer and he's in heaven today. I want you to know the Bible knows nothing of genuine salvation without transformation. The Bible knows nothing of real faith without the evidence of good works that follow. It's not the works that save us, but the works are the fruit of genuine salvation. And I'm concerned that many people come to church on a consistent basis, have a false assurance of salvation just because at some point in their lives they said a prayer or they checked a box, or they joined a church, or they got baptized, but their lives have never been changed. You see, real faith is more than what you say. Secondly, real faith is more than what you believe. We see this in verse 18 and verse 19. Now, we typically like to associate faith with belief. And while belief is a part of faith, there's a whole lot more to faith than just belief. You see, James wants to shock his readers and he does a good job of it. Because he begins to say, if you believe that God is one, you do well. Then he says, even the demons believe and they tremble. 
Even the demons believe and they shudder. You see, James's readers had a Jewish background and so they would know exactly what he's talking about. They grew up memorizing Deuteronomy chapter 6 and they would quote what's called the Shema. That's Deuteronomy 6 that begins, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so they'd be able to quote the verses and they'd know the information. And James is saying just because you know those verses and you have them memorized, just because you believe a certain way doesn't mean that you are genuinely saved. Now that's interesting, isn't it? He wants us to know that even the demons believe. They, they affirm a set of facts. They have an intellectual understanding of God. But an intellectual understanding is not enough. Affirming a set of facts is not enough. Real faith is more than what you believe. If I went to the local prison and I asked the inmates there, how many of you believe in God? The vast majority of them would raise their hand. Polls show that across the United States of America, 95% of Americans say they believe in God. Now, how's that working out for us? We still are on a trajectory headed away from the Word of God and away from the standards that God has set. Demons believe. The demons believe. There, there are no demon atheists. They believe in God. In fact, if you, if you wanted to ask the devil certain questions that most churches ask in order to join the church, he might be qualified in most churches. He'd get all the questions right. Do you believe that God exists? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Do you believe that he was born of a virgin? Do you believe he died on the cross? Do you believe he rose from the dead? Do you believe the Bible is the word of God? He's going to check the box on every one of those questions. Those questions, this belief is not enough to lead to genuine salvation. James says this, an intellectual belief without genuine faith is dead faith. Real faith is more than what you say. Real faith is, is even more than what you believe. Here's the point. Number three, real faith is evidenced by what you do. Real faith is evidenced by what you do. We see this in verse 20 through verse 26. This is really James's main point in his entire message in the last half of chapter 2. We associate faith with belief. We, we associate faith with a prayer. And James wants us to know that you ought to associate genuine salvation with transformation. See, his main point is this. Faith without works is useless. Faith without works is dead. And he says, someone will say, I have faith without works. You show me your faith apart from works. I'll show you my faith, the evidence of my faith, by my works by what I do. Now, James is getting very serious. He wants us to understand the relationship between faith and works and how genuine faith always leads to godly behavior. Don't get me wrong. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall. You're going to have difficulties. There'll be moments when you're not living right, even as a follower of Christ. But over the trajectory of your life, as you look at the history of trusting Christ, you will see the evidence of good works that arise out of a genuine faith. There's a familiar story told of a Scotsman who would row a boat across a lake in order to transport passengers. Well, he had written one word on each oar as he rowed. On one oar, he wrote the word faith. On the other, 
he wrote the word works. The application is simple and clear. He wants us to understand that faith and works must go together in order to get you where you want to go. You take one oar out and just begin to row on one side and you're just going in circles. You're not going to make any progress whether you take works out or whether you take faith out. But both together, working in the water, will help you make spiritual progress. James is teaching us about genuine faith. And man, he's a great preacher because he gives his Jewish readers examples that they would remember, they would relate to, and they would understand. He gives two examples here in verse 20 through 26. First of all, the example of Abraham. We see this in verse 21 through 25. The example of Abraham. God tests Abraham's faith. For the background, I'd encourage you, write Genesis chapter 22 in your notes and go back and read that chapter later. God tested Abraham's faith. Here, James says, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? So God tested Abraham's faith, had him go up to the altar to offer up his son Isaac, the child of promise, Abraham had the knife raised, believing that if he sacrificed his son, God would raise him from the dead, and God stopped Abraham from making that sacrifice. It was a test of faith. Abraham passed the test, but it was his works that proved his genuine faith. The second example that he gives is that of Rahab. We see this in verse 25 and 26. His Jewish readers would understand the story of Rahab, You may know that story, but write out in your notes Joshua 2 and Joshua 6. Go back and read those chapters and you'll get the background of the story of Rahab. Here he talks about how Rahab hid the spies and had them go out a different way. The Bible tells us how Rahab was a Canaanite. She was out of the nation of Israel, outside of the nation of Israel and God's covenant promise to Israel. But she believed in the one true God, so much so that she hid the spies. She had them go out a different way. And then as Israel came to conquer Jericho, she placed that scarlet thread outside of her window and she and her entire household were saved from destruction. I love these examples because Abraham and Rahab could not be more different. Look what he says in verse 25. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? Here you have Abraham, the father of the nation of Israel, called by God in Genesis 12. Those revered and respected by those in the Jewish tradition. And then you have Rahab, a prostitute, a Canaanite, a pagan, who was an idolater, who recognized the one true God and was grafted into the family of God, the nation of Israel. And James is saying, this is genuine faith. Their faith was evidenced by their works. God accepted their genuine faith, evidenced by their works. There's a striking illustration in nature that helps us understand the relationship between faith and works. Think about lightning and thunder. Lightning always comes before thunder. Lightning lightning comes first. Thunder follows. Thunder is the sound that comes as a result of lightning. God wants us to understand that good works, good works are the sound that genuine faith produces. Good works always accompany saving faith. We'd like to believe, some would, 
that Paul and James are at odds with one another. And we'll quote verses like this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Paul writes, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. We believe that, and I promise you, James affirms that too. Go on to the next verse. Paul starts to sound more like James. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul even understands that genuine faith in Christ that leads to transformation will be followed by good works. In the same way that thunder follows lightning, it contributes nothing to the lightning. It comes after the lightning, but it's proof the lightning is genuine. Good works adds nothing to salvation, but it's proof that salvation is genuine. Genuine faith is followed by a life of good works, just like thunder follows lightning. And so if that's the case, I need to ask you a couple of questions as we finish. These questions will help you understand if you have a genuine faith, a real faith that works. First of all, has there been a time in your life where you were convicted of your sin, where you repented of your sin, and you placed your faith and trust in God? That's the first question. Secondly, if you say there's been that time where you've repented of your sins and you placed your faith and trust in Christ, number two, has your life been changed since that moment? You see, genuine salvation leads to transformation. The Bible knows nothing of someone saying a prayer in order to get to heaven without their life being transformed by the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. Has there been a time in your life where you've placed your genuine faith in the Lord, your life has been changed? Have you been saved? You see, we want to tell you, show you, help you understand what genuine salvation really is. Today, if there's never been a moment where you've placed genuine faith in Christ. You can do that. You can pray a prayer, a simple prayer, but mean it from the bottom of your heart. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is the Savior. I repent of my sins, and I place my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Come in and be the Lord of my life. I want to follow you. That prayer means nothing unless it's prayed through a sincere heart with contrition, repentance, and trust in Christ. If you prayed that prayer today, we'd love to connect with you. Text the word RESPOND to 478-324-5402. Maybe today you have a prayer request. You'd love someone to talk to you or pray with you. You can text the word RESPOND to that number. Many of you have indicated that, that you'd like to be part of our second family. We have Zoom Second Life classes that we are uh, we're putting on throughout the week. We've got another class planned here in the next couple of weeks. So if you text the word RESPOND to 478-324-5402, we'll connect with you and we can tell you what it means to be part of our second family, to join us and partner with us in, in ministry and in mission. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray that you're encouraged as you follow God faithfully and show works as evidence of genuine salvation.